This is the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 85, part 2, Rape Culture. This is Brian. This is a continuation of our talk with Ian, Kimberly, Mac, and Terry. So, okay, so but this brings up some very specific points that, that we that I, I think we do need to talk about real quick. And there, there, there's blaming the victim, which I think that we've pretty well covered, that basically w- by taking somebody who is the victim of some sort of crime or prank and saying that they're responsible for it in some way because of something that they did. And we're going and this and it's going to lead where we I want because I kind of want to talk about rape culture and the and this leads into this because you know we've heard stuff like well she was asking for it by wearing the short skirt and that would be a, uh, a clear definition of victim blaming that she is responsible for being raped because she was wearing a short skirt but I also want to differentiate that from um, playing the victim where somebody would put themselves in into a situation in in order to make themselves look victimized is that a clear enough definition mm-hmm. yep okay because like um like it when a little kid hits somebody else and said well he made me do it because he was doing this or that might be a good definition of that so I I I I did want to point those two things out because I think as um, as we move into the um uh, the definition of rape culture, and Wikipedia says uh, rape culture is a concept which links rape and sexual violence to a culture uh, culture of society, and in which um, prevailing attitudes and practices endorse, excuse, tolerate, or even condone rape. Um, and I think that I think that we do need to be careful here because uh, as much as I, I think we need to be we need to remember that when a woman gets raped, it's not her fault. It could be used the other way around where a woman claims that somebody raped her in order to to do damage to somebody else. And I think that we need to acknowledge that that does happen and can happen and that we we certainly have a legal system that's job is to sort those things out um any problems with that i i I think you know knowing what the statistics are i i don't think it i think it's it's part of the rape culture is to exaggerate how often that kind of stuff happens okay and and to your point it's not that it's never but it's also i don't know it's common and actually just all came up recently. This one editor who, while he's never actually bought any of my stories, I have had connections with him. Um, it was interesting because apparently someone basically started a smear campaign going after him. Um, and it was something that happened 30 years ago. And we don't, you know, the, the person who was doing the smear campaign didn't even know everything. But um, there was apparently a suit put out against him. Um, I don't know all the details, so I can't tell, you know, everything. But I said this happened 30 years ago. Um, one one event that apparently they decided to pull back up to attack him, and I I, did, I kept trying to figure out the actual attack why they were going after him, and see it wasn't necessarily going after him. It was saying, well, no one should um s- submit stories to this um any of the publications he's connected with at all because of what happened thirty years ago, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you don't know what happened thirty years ago. We we don't know the whole story. Um. That in and of itself should not say, oh, you know, everyone that's ever submitted a story to him um, is supporting whatever happened 30 years ago. You know, it, it was a really messed up thing. And I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, okay, you know, one event that we don't know all the, the facts about, that's a distant past. There's nothing that suggests he actually is doing anything now. Um, you're busy trying to say that no one should try and um, 
you buy any of the, the books from the market he's connected to. I mean, it doesn't even matter if he was to make money off it. They're saying, you know, have nothing to do with this publication house because he has a connection to it. I guess – oh, what, what's what, – I'm missing your point here, Ian. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, you were talking about um, you, the, the reverse. You know, where, oh, yeah. Okay. And it, to me, that was a bit of the reverse. I was okay. saying he may have done this way back when, and we're going to still hold it against him. And instead of just saying, you know, focus on the guy, we're going to paint a bigger picture and do an attack against him. Okay. Well, I, I so wanted, it's often abused. Yeah. You know, it it can be. Level. And I, as I, I wanted to make that point because we are, because this discussion is going to be talking about rape victims. Yeah. And it's going to be talking about incidences, incidences of clear rape victims, but it's also going to be, but we're also going to be talking about incidences where, where people are being blamed for, for being raped. And I just wanted to acknowledge that I understand that the reverse can happen, but, but that's now, not what we're going to be talking about. Here because we have three guys and two women tonight. Like, I'm glad we actually have two women. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've heard about is college orientation things where they have all, all the new students come in and they ask, First, they ask the guys, okay, guys, what do you do to prepare yourself when you go out at night to make sure you don't get attacked and raped? And all the guys kind of look at each other like, what are they talking about? Then, okay, let's ask the women. The women will have lengthy discussion about what they do to protect themselves. So to some extent, th there is a bit of an issue with this being mostly men talking about the issue because there is our, our perspectives are clouded by the fact that while it does happen to men, it's very rare compared to how often it happens to women. Well, let me, so, let me just say on that, it's reported more rarely. I don't know for sure that it is more rare. Thank you, but Brian. Still, okay, true. But still, the main thing is we don't prepare ourselves for it. We don't think about it as much. We're not sure. worried about it. It's not as much of a part of something we're supposed to you know, be concerned with. Well, I think that let's, let's move on. To your first story, Ian, that you put in here, because I think that it's a good that, starting point. Yeah, that was a great one. Okay, um, and this is an interesting one because I didn't think it was a problem, but once more, I'm the man, and from my point of view, this didn't seem like it'd be a bad thing. Although I've never done this. The, the first one here is called "Why You Shouldn't Tell That Random Girl on the Street That She's Hot," and it goes into talking about how well it does get in the mindset of men saying we think. Oh, Ian, uh, we're losing you. Hold on, Ian. Hold on. We're man. losing you. Okay. Losing me? Yeah. Oh, it kind of looks like my computer might have had some issues with the pop-up. Okay, start over for me. Okay, so the story, the, the article is why you shouldn't tell that random girl on the street that she's hot. And coming at this from my initial point of view, being a male, I, you know, I think, okay, why is that a bad thing? I, you know, I, I would take it as a compliment. In fact, there has been one time where I recall a random girl who I didn't know. Um, I, I had walked by and asked a question, and um, you know, they directed me where I need to go. I heard them over, oh, he's cute. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, I, I, I took that as a compliment. Um, so to me, my first thought is, oh, this should be complimentary. But it goes into kind of the mindset of you know, why it would make the girls uncomfortable and how it becomes creepy. And I think most men really don't understand it because from our point of view, it's not. I'll, Can I just – I'm sorry to interrupt, but the two stories are different. Uh, my understanding of it, you overheard them speaking not directly to you, and there's a difference true. if somebody says that's true right to you. True. I agree. But I've never – I myself have never looked at – you know, I, I found random women attractive, but I've never gone and talked to them outside of maybe at the um, conventions where 
if they're in a hot costume like that's a great costume you but at the convention it is part of the social thing to compliment them on their costume well, well but public, okay but complimenting somebody on their costume is different different than complimenting on their attractiveness too true i, I agree well, and if you're at a convention it's kind of assumed even though you don't know the person that it's not exactly a random encounter. You're at the same sort of social right. gathering, and because it is that sort of a social gathering, part of the part of the socialization is to view each other's costumes right. and to compliment the costume okay. and to compliment the yeah. work that went into it. So, um, Ian, I, I understand your personal bias here. Why don't you just no, tell I'm me not, what the article I'm, says? I'm saying when I initially read it from my point of view. Okay, I understand example. that. I understand, but what? But tell me, tell me what the article says, and give me what are their specifics. Okay, well, it goes into exactly how it, it's really a creepy thing, and um, let me get down to where actually. Da, 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 da. Okay, the, the basic issues it brings up: if you find yourself really invested in the idea of complimenting random women on the street, you should do some serious soul searching and figure out why that idea appeals to you so much. It may very well be possible to compliment a woman you don't know on her appearance in an appropriate way. But if you choose to compliment a random woman on her appearance, you run the high risk of making her uncomfortable, scared, even if she doesn't show any outward signs. Are you willing to take that chance? If you choose to compliment a random woman on her appearance, you may be harassing her. And you know, it, it gets, you know, I'm not going to obviously read the whole article, but it gets into the mindset that men, I think, do have a harder time with um, as to why it will make women uncomfortable. So, it, trying to remember all the details, but I, 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 especially for someone like me, where I've never really thought about for it, I thought this was a good article to read and say, okay, that makes sense. I really like the fact that in the article, yeah, she basically is talking about the fact that the woman doesn't need the man to validate her, right? You know, it, and it's like, what, what do you think is the importance of you walking up to this person and telling her, oh, you look, you look great. Why would you think that that is going to be a benefit or a help to this person in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I, I guess you know it, the, one of the questions that it brings to my mind is why is that person dressed the way that they are? Is it is it so that so that somebody is going to randomly say something to them on the street, or is it because it makes them feel good? How, I, and it probably is because they 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 like how they look, and they're and a lot of times they're probably doing it for themselves. Um, they may be getting dressed up to go out to look nice, and there may be different reasons for it. But it's highly unlikely that they're that they're that they're dressed up and walking on the street waiting for your validation. Right, and this is where the women. I'd love you guys to chime in and give you two cents worth on because my bias is always about power, as I said before. So I think I mean I read that kind of stuff generally as uh, when it's there's a difference. I think like you were saying between complimenting a costume and complimenting a person's Attractiveness. Physical attractiveness, right? Right. And uh, I read that kind of stuff as like establishing power. I have the power to approve or disapprove of you, and I approve of that. Wow. Does I it, guess that's how I read it. I, I hear that, and it's like, does it always have to be that way? Is that, <laughs> is that really how it is? Because, man, that's unfortunate. I don't know if it's always that way, but just like this never happens to me, so I can't speak from experience. So I guess I should put that caveat in there. <laughs> Well, uh, Terry, I do have to chime in here and say that your uh, your icon on Skype looks absolutely fantastic. That is a good-looking <laughs> icon. Is that the generic uh, blue person or whatever it is? <laughs> oh, so it's not something special that you did. You were looking at Ian or someone else. <laughs> well, it kind of looks uh, like. No, uh, actually, if I were to compliment the, the Ian's icon or Brian's, it would be self-serving. <laughs> 
since I did the artwork on both of those. Oh, nice. I, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Terry. I just hope that it's not true because I think that there is – that there can be a certain level of, of genuineness where you just tell somebody that you look good in that dress. You look very lovely. And that, yeah. and it can be just that. It, it yeah. can be I, just that. It's probably a spectrum, you know. Well, I, I do. It's but but once again, it's situa- situational. Do I know this person? Have I met them before? Is it an acquaintance? Are we at a party? Are we at a bar? Or am I walking down the street? I, and they're different. Yeah. Is she giving a presentation at my office? And am I telling her she looks good and not paying attention to the presentation? But you know what's interesting? This this is an interesting and actually I, I would say um, this is dealt best with on the Godless Bitches podcast um, because they have a, a couple of attractive women. Who who hosts that show and and um God I'm trying to not, Tracy has has addressed this directly basically that she does not need your validation and stop and stop writing in telling her that she's attractive and I and I totally understand where she's coming from because in that situation she she's not there to look good she's not a model she's there to you know to address a certain claim on the atheist experience and you know because they 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 do the TV show and so I I think that it's unfortunate that that we didn't look at what she had to say uh, in re- in regards to those situations because she's personally um been in you know been the um subject of that kind of attention and and has not appreciated it um so i i think that i think that it, it's incredibly situational yeah yeah i agree and it, it does have a lot of the history thing too i mean you know to your point is it always this way it, it in in some ways it is because you know women are brought up to in our culture to kind of internalize this idea that your attractiveness is one of your primary qualifications as a human being you know and i think men have a different set of qualifications and and both are probably fairly unfair to the individuals because obviously we all have different strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that but but very often your worth is determined by your attractiveness and it's 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 everywhere it's in all the advertising we're kind of pummeled with it in ways that are kind of kind of hard to even speak about because they're they're just so pervasive i have seen links to studies and i don't have them at my fingertips but women who uh, don't wear makeup or let their hair go gray or don't, you know, dress a certain way are taken less seriously um, often, you know, in business situations. Yeah, all, all these things are, are true. And and as much as I dislike them, I, I would say that I am very much culturally aware of the fact that this is an issue. Um, and in some ways, it's nice that we do a podcast because nobody can see us and we can't <laughs> be judged on our appearance and they can only judge us on the stupid things that we say. Um, but that that isn't the norm, right? In your and yet everyday somehow life. we get people like Terry who are willing to come on and talk with us. Well, that's because you made her mad. <laughs> it's because I was fired up. <laughs> but I mean, to your point, you know, on podcasts and and we see this a lot of times, even in like the secular movement and stuff. A, a lot of the women who who receive abuse from people on their ideas very quickly. You watch those conversations go into you're ugly and and you know you're comments old. on the person's appearance yeah. yeah where you don't get that from men i don't think pz myers is ever shot down going you know your idea is stupid and you need to lose weight but that and does really happen to women shoes. 
Yeah, it's but it, it's it's a reality. It's and I think it's one of those unconscious things that I don't know. I mean, some people are just assholes, of course, and will take whatever shot that they can get, especially when they have nothing to stand on. But um, if you know, like I'm saying, if you if you told P.Z. Myers his ideas were stupid and his shoes were ugly, he would not be hurt. Or I, I shouldn't use the shoe thing because that really is trivializing. But do you know what I'm saying? Like again, when you go back to that idea that we are. We are brought up in a society that part of our worth is based on our attractiveness. Yeah. And you take that shot. Not just our attractiveness, though, our attractiveness to men, right? Yeah, right. that's another big point. Yeah. Yeah, because here's the thing is that if somebody tells me that I'm ugly, yeah, whatever. I don't care what you think. I don't care what my wife thinks. I don't find you attractive. Well, coming from an ugly man, I understand. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, those, right. those I do know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. A woman and a woman is brought up in this yeah. society in right. very unconscious, very subtle ways to take that to heart. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, here if you if you insult PZ Meyer's work, he'll probably take you to task, but probably mm-hmm. not his shoes. Right. He might have put his shoe up your ass, but you know. All right. And it's again, you know, and women are certainly capable of being like, you know, hey, asshole. Um, it's obvious you can't. You can't actually refute my argument, and so you're, you know, resorting to ad hominem attacks. Yeah. But the point is that, one, they make those shots, and two, that there's a reason that those shots are taken, and that's because they are effective for a lot of people. Yeah. How quickly does that, like, once it's okay to attack a woman in that way, how quickly do those kinds of conversations that we've seen online with the prominent women bloggers and whatnot, how quickly do they turn into rape threats? Yeah. Or threats of violence. Mm-hmm. Well, now They're, see, I was gonna, I was gonna throw in a comment on that. If it's not a, a if it's not an attack on the appearance, it may become a, a attack on the person's. Maybe I, I don't know if morals is the right word, but to characterize the person as being of low morals, of being or of being a slut, or being a uh, you know being being a mouthy person who doesn't have the right to speak. Well, I guess you know you're you're, st- you're starting to get into kind of some of the points I want to make, and that's the slut shaming, and yeah. you know, and to well, bring it back to it's to, good that I'm getting into those points. Yeah, thank you. you. Want to make them <laughs> because we there is, I mean, and and this, like I said, was a good starting point. And um, there are issues with. Well, and I want to, yeah, slut shaming. I think that's exactly what I, yeah. I, I want to lead into there. And that's great with the next two articles we yeah, have. Yeah, so let's let's move on to the uh, Elizabeth Smart stuff, please. Yeah. And both me and Brian found very similar articles on this. Yeah, Basically, and, different yeah. Different takes on the same thing. I, I, but, I, I put this slate one in there for a reason because there was something different in it, and now I don't remember. But go ahead. But it, we'll, we'll be able to cover this issue, no problem. Right. Well, Elizabeth um, Smart was the young lady who was kidnapped at the age of 14 and held in captivity for nine months and basically forcefully raped by her new husband, you know, self-proclaimed husband. And um, she was then found, I believe, she was, basically they walk around shopping. If I remember correctly, yeah. Her kidnappers right. were walking down a suburban street, and that was she was discovered then, and it was realized who she was. And one of the things that came up is, well, why didn't you just leave him? And her explanation is about uh, um, the race he was raised. Once he got raped, she her self worth dropped. And the, uh, the name of the first one I had was Elizabeth Smart. Smart abstinence education teaches rape victims they're worthless, dirty, and filthy. Um, and I get the I think. 
Yeah, it's right here. The, this quote: um, She was raised in a religious household and called a um, and recalled a school teacher who spoke once about um, abstinence and compared sex to chewing gum. Um, so, so what? You know, who wants a who wants a used piece of chewing gum? Yeah, that, that's what she felt, says she felt like, and that's why she didn't leave them because if you're if I leave them, no one else is going to want me because I'm used. And so she didn't put up a fight anymore. She gave in, and it's like I'm worthless. And it was because she had been taught that if you know sex before marriage makes you worthless. That's how she felt. And so right now she's very actively out there talking about the harm being done by abstinence-only education, and that um, you actually need to teach the kids, give them the choices, teach you know, tell them you know you have the power, and, and basically empower them to make the choices to control themselves, their own lives. That, and that's what she's promoting right now. And she's definitely someone who I think has a great perspective on this from what she's gone through. Right, and we've talked about absence-only education before and, yeah. and some of the other issues with it. But this this idea of uh, that connecting this whole sexual identity to your self-worth and that and this idea of, of keeping your virginity, making you a virtuous person is – is on purpose. They purposely want to make that connection. And well, when but it's not really your virginity, is it? Well, right. that, that's exactly. yeah, that's that a belongs very to the man point. that puts a ring on you. Exactly. Right. And I. But when they when they initially made this connection, on the surface of it, it 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 doesn't sound quite as bad. But the results of it can be very harmful. And. And this is definitely one of those cases where this person felt like she was worthless after being raped. We know that there's other situations where women have been raped um, in Muslim countries where, well, not they, you know, once they recover the woman and 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 the family kills her, right, for being a slut, right, exactly because because she, because she was somebody else's property and now she's damaged goods. Yep. So those kinds of situations. Are, are promoted by this kinds of absence-only education. And I don't know that all absence-only education is that bad to that extent. Well, but ab- um, most of, if it's absence-only, it's only it. Because absence-only, okay. um, she gives a quote from, um, they give a quote from another one I remember reading about, where if you take birth control, your mother probably hates you. Absence-only education is known for having stuff like that. It's known for not having science to it. It's known for right. basically um, doing what she says, you know, making you feel like if you, you know, end up having sex, you're dirty. It um, doesn't give you actual um, facts about birth control. It teaches that all birth control is bad. Um, I'd like to actually get somebody on if we could, if you could, who could actually talk about abstinence-only education from the from the standpoint of having been through abstinence-only education, because I sure wasn't. I don't think you were. No. Well, I uh, I was actually raised LDS in the same religion that Elizabeth Smart is from, and um, it's beyond like the abstinence-only education that you that we are sort of familiar with. It's about um, perfection and being perfect and always, you know, mod. Like it's up to women to dress modestly and it's up to women to be submissive, and yeah, very much to the point about. Um, it's not your virginity to give away. It does not, you know, and if you do, if something happens and you do, um, you are ruined for life. Like you are damaged goods. Nobody's going to want you. Nobody's ever going to marry you, you know. Um, and I was actually, when she was rescued, I was impressed that her family seemed to be embracing her and that she seemed to be reintegrating. 
And uh, then when she got married, I was really surprised because I am not sure how that would work in um, a, like a true believing LDS family where the where the the young groom might think that she was damaged goods. And I I can't overstate how courageous she is to come out and speak about this in public. I'm so impressed and grateful that she's doing this. Yeah. Is she still LDS? I don't know if she still is. Yeah, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm going to bet she's not, but I don't. I, I don't know that. I haven't done the research. Either that, or they they upped her dowry to some astronomical level. Yeah, but I guess <laughs> but, that that was my point. Is that I? I mean, albeit I I don't think absence of education is good or appropriate. I don't think it's all this fundamental. As but it, no, but you got to go back to the source, man. Okay. Go back to the source. Biblical marriage is if a woman is raped, her rapist should marry her. Right. You okay. Know? I mean, and, that and, and you're is right. The value of women going back okay. to that society, and we are a Judeo-Christian country here, <laughs> and that is the that is fundamentally at the basis of it. The the misogyny is so deep that that is not considered crazy fundamentalism. That's what's and, and in the Bible. That's the Bible what it itself says. even hints at it being the victim of the rapist. Uh, the the victim who's being raped is the one who's guilty. Because the, the, um, they're more like the Bible has more harsh punishment for the victim than for the actual um, rapist. But do but all do all these absence only educations go to the point where to to what to like these purity balls and stuff like that go to where that you're marrying Jesus and you and you are married to Jesus until you're given to your husband. I think I, 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 you can't teach that in a school. Say it out loud, but mm-hmm. what else do you think the basis for this know. stuff is? I don't know. It's it's uh, there's I don't believe. And may, again, prove me wrong if I am. I don't think there's an abstinence-only education that is not biblically based. It can't be. It cannot be biblically based and be in the schools and in in some in some of these states. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be. Oh, okay. It's All right, that was stupid of me. You're, You're right. Being very naive. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I'm try, I don't want I I'm trying not to paint too broad a brush here. It's a good thing you're pretty, Brian. That's well, all. thank you. Well, you yeah. know what? And I wasn't going to say it. Good in those pants, I, I, I wasn't going to say it when Ian brought this up, but you know, let let's face it. I am more girly than you. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you that. <laughs> yep. All right. So I I found an interesting article that says rape victims are sometimes to blame. Blame says women. And this is a survey that uh, that uh, was done, and I I didn't look at the survey or who did it, but I, some of their findings I thought were appalling. Um, I mean, I, I think that the survey was probably fine. Um, what they found is scary. Um, of these women, seventy one percent article thought, have a picture of a cathedral on it. Uh, thank you. Uh, of these women, seventy one percent thought that the victims should accept responsibility if they got into bed. Um, as gotten to the same bed as the attacker, uh, compared to only fifty-seven percent of men who who thought that. Um, let's see, it says nearly ninety percent of women said the victims should accept partial responsibility if they um, if they went back to the attacker's house. Because she was leading them on by taking the uh, rohypnol. Well, it gets worse. Twenty-three percent. Twenty-three percent thought that a victim who danced suggestively. On a night out was to blame if she was sub, uh, subject subsequently raped, and thirty one percent thought that this thought the same of those wearing provocative clothing. So this is this is that that slut shaming, that victim blaming, that that is clearly um, 
in in this survey incredibly high this this idea that that a woman is ever responsible for being raped you know date rape the operative word here is still rape right a woman can say no at any time and things should cease and a man can say no at any time and things should cease this idea that if you got into this the attacker's bed that you can't be raped is is kind of a um, is is clearly a ubiquitous thought. Seventy one percent of women. And and I hate to be on the side of these people, but is that a really accurate representation of I, what they're saying? I don't here? know. I don't know. They're and that's, saying that's that reasonable. should accept. And 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 it says here accept responsibility. The, the word some would have something to say with that because I mean I realize that no is supposed to always mean no, and it should, and 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 people should really accept that. But there is a point where you can make better decisions, okay? And I'm not saying it goes across the board. I don't think you should have made a better decision about what you wore when you left the house. But there is a better decision-making policy. I mean, this question, I don't know exactly how it was phrased to them, said, if she got willingly into the same bed as her attacker, is she at all responsible even one well, percent that one doesn't I, I mean, say I some like an, a, that a one says should here but maybe it, uh, maybe that it one, depends on who got into the who got into the bed first unfortunately that well, one's not worded as some on a lot of things that but, one's but i mean why would you do you could have made a better decision you know uh, let me point out that this poll you're looking at brian yeah this is uk yeah I, it so, is it is it's not it is it is in the uk so we're it's not BBC. necessarily talking about uh, you know we're some of this stuff may reflect American attitudes, but I, I don't think we can safely say that the numbers you're getting are going to be the same in America. They might be worse. They might be better. We <laughs> don't know. Be, I don't know. I have one thought about this, and um, I'm wondering if there's a psychological thing at play here where if we imagine rape victims as being very different from us, and if we imagine that they did something to cause it, it's easier to imagine that it will never happen to us. Cause That's a very good point, never. Terry. Yeah, that's yeah. Cognitive dissonance there. You know, it, it it couldn't happen to me. Right. Right. And and clearly the numbers show that it could. And and and, as my, and I can understand why you, why you why you you might share some responsibility. The problem is, I I, I don't know. I, I I have a real problem with with it because if somebody says no, it has to be no. But if they don't say no, and then they claim that they're raped. I mean, th this is where these things get awfully tricky. Well, no means no, except when it's yes. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say that there are probably times when there are shared blame for, for things going too far. And and there's a big – there's a lot of differences. Like you say, there are a lot of gray areas. Yes, the word rape is in there. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook because I think you do know if you – I can't remember what movie it was in, but somebody said something to the effect of if you pull yourself off of a crying woman and are at all confused as to whether or not that was rape, you're a sociopath. I mean, it's really, really pretty clear in cases where somebody was resisting and, and trying to stop it. It is less clear, though. And it, again, does not absolve anybody in the situation, but it is less clear sometimes well, things that do wind up getting labeled. Okay, as let, let me ask you this. I mean, is it possible for for things to go too far and for a woman to feel like she has been raped and for the man to never realize that he raped the woman? Yes. So, in that situation, how do you how do you resolve that? Is it is is there a legal remedy for this? 
You know, I mean, it does that should that should that man be put into jail for rape? Should he become again, a it, sex it goes offender? Back into that rape culture idea where yeah. um, you know, Terry kind of talked about the power dynamic and stuff like that. If you feel you are in a situation in which you are not allowed to say no and you didn't, were you still coerced into doing it? I would Oof. say absolutely yes. But to your point, could somebody have could, could somebody be in a power situation and not recognize that the person's the person not saying no is is feeling forced into it. It's hard to imagine, but possible shred of doubt. I guess I have a shred of doubt. I wish I didn't. I wish I was a little better at this and more clearly on the side of no means no, absolutely all of the time. I but guess human interaction is yeah. is fucked up. It's fast. It's it's complicated, and you don't always have all the information. It, no. I guess it's Quite clear true. that the, that that this situation is much more nuanced from all sides than we'd like it to be. Regarding the power dynamic, um, I'm wondering if the equation would change, or if it would be easier to um, draw lines if women were empowered um, to be sexually more sexually active, or if you know uh, if it was okay for us to be sexual in the same way that it's okay for men to be sexual. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I don't know. You know, and that's a, that, that's almost a different discussion <laughs> entirely. Yeah, it is kind of a different discussion, and you know, I, I I guess the question is: Are either of us really allowed to be sexual? Well, there's a lot more expectation you know, for men to be than women are, and we do. And again, I think I think when you were talking earlier about what does rape culture mean, you know, I really do think that a lot of this does come into those misogyny things that we we do have women in an impossible situation. Right, you're you're not supposed to. If if you give it up too quickly, you're a slut. If you don't give it up you're a quickly enough, then you're a tease or a prude or whatever. Um, and that's society. I I I mean, it, it's again, it's very, it's permeates the culture all over the place, and there are no good answers for it. But it does make things really, really complicated, like you say. And then and then there's that power dynamic too uh, that we were talking about earlier. Is you know, if you're trying to make decisions. And you've got this whole, you know, this is somebody I, you know, I could potentially like or or, or maybe you do like. Um, and I don't want to be perceived one way or the other. You might be still working out that kind of dynamic in your head. And meanwhile, the situation has moved on and on and on. Yeah. And keeping up with it is is super complex and, and not easy. It's, it, you know, I will tell you this, uh, I'll say it straight out, it is one of the reasons I really enjoy being a lesbian, because when the gender dynamic gets in here, it is, it's so complex. I really appreciate the fact that in my relationships, it's kind of reset to a zero point, and the two people basically figure out where everybody stands. In a heterosexual relationship, there are so many cultural assumptions being made and like you say, all the roles that men are supposed to fill and women are supposed to, and it's it seems extremely complicated. I, I'm I'm glad I don't deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me move on to a, to a case that I think is more clear. Uh, let's see, in New in New Delhi, rape victim rape victims are blamed. Um, defendants' lawyers say so. The lawyers uh, representing three men who are. Um, charged with gang raping and murdering a medical student aboard a moving bus in New Delhi has blamed the victims for the assault saying he um, that he has never heard of a respectable lady being raped in India. Wow. 
So here is here once again we're looking at a, a another culture, okay? Um, but to me, this is a very clear example of blaming the victim. Oh yeah. Uh, see, Sharma says the male um, uh, com- compatin- companions of the male companion of the murdered twenty three year old was wholly responsible for the incident as an unmarried couple should not have been on the streets at night. Words fail. Yeah, yeah we're all speechless on what this. What can you even say? I, I, I don't know what you say, but this is, I mean, I, we, we, we were talking about a lot of gray area that, that, you, could, that you could analyze for a long time. How about this, this is a one? good time for me to bring up my, uh, bring up my cause, which I'm asking for money for, which is tasers for Indian ladies. Yeah. Right. Well, there's protests going on, and 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 there's a there's a lot more going on in the incident, and um, that it's it's a very long story, and there's there's a lot going on here, but to me, I don't see how a moral person holds the victim responsible in this situation, especially, and how you and certainly hold, not with the word holy responsible. Holy yeah, responsible. But- the problem here is that you're dealing with a different culture, okay, with different values, and you're committing personal incredulity fallacy. Yeah, but it sounds like the culture is not necessarily in agreement that this is okay. The culture either. is not. The women are outraged. Right. Well, yeah. then you know we hear you know if you, on Facebook now you see all the you know the um, memes about rape and the stuff that you, you you're not. We shouldn't be trying to teach our, our, the women not to dress inappropriately. We should be teaching the men just not to rape. Yeah. And we, even we as a society are somewhat guilty of this. Like I said, we, you know, we are saying, well, women, you need to dress less provocatively. You need to do stuff not to arouse the men. We're not telling the men, hey, listen, control yourself. <laughs> you, you get these feelings, guess what? Go to the bathroom, throw some cold water in your face, you know. But we or don't. use your hands. I thought you were going to propose yeah. a different solution for the bathroom there for a moment, Ian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take yourself in hand. <laughs> Morally. But there, there is a level where even our society has this attitude that the women shouldn't be doing these certain things, and we're not as concerned with saying, hey, we need to focus on the guys and say, hey, guys, uh, control yourselves, keep it in the pants. And so, the, the, you know, while it's more extreme here, obviously, it's, we can see in our society, and I, pretty much every society has it at some level from what I've seen. Hey, guys, and I'm going to drop out here. Okay. Just, I'm enjoying the discussion, but it's I've got to do stuff yet. Yeah. So. And actually, uh, and um, Kimberly, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, I got to get going too. But I, I just wanted to bring up another um, recent U.S. one that had a similar kind of feel to this. And and I'm sorry, I don't have it in the document uh, and backed up. But it was another um, unfortunate gang rape situation in America where these boys were found guilty. And the public response from a lot of people was these poor boys, their oh, yeah. lives are, are ruined by this. Yeah, yeah, the CNN. Well, and I and the, I just want to say, I, you know, I think CNN covered that badly. And I and I think that the, the, the point they wanted to make is that that these crimes carry a heavy punishment. Well, OK, no, I want no, I'm not going to defend them. Screw them. These crimes carry a heavy consequence. And these and those boys learned a difficult lesson for the for their actions that they took. And hopefully, others will look at that. But that's not how it was presented by the press. The press right. actually, it uh, was, I, I know, it, it, was it, 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 poor boys because this one this one girl who was um, passed out and they took advantage of her because she put, you know took it to a lawsuit. 
um, you know, she ruined their lives and they're screwed for the ever. How how could she? It's like, well, they made the action. She didn't make them do anything to her. In this if case, she, she was enough out to, If she ain't awake enough to say yes, she ain't awake enough. enough. Yeah. Right. So, all right. So two of you got to go. Yeah. Um, or you know, I, I'm I'm thinking podcast 86 rape culture part two the electric boogaloo yeah i i don't know this may become two podcasts we'll talk but anyway because there are, i i'd like to there's two other things i want to get to here all right i'm out if we then. can I, unless everybody has to go well, I'm, well no, let's I'm go. Good. what's that I, i'm gonna go ahead and yeah i know yeah and, yep. and kimberly Max and i are too. dropping yeah okay all ian? right well thanks guys bye. good night all right bye good night ian yeah I'm sure. are, you, are you good i'm good okay because i i i i did want to cover Two other articles that I thought were um, that were interesting, um, yeah. and and I and I and I put on here. I titled them uh, "Creating a Victim," and uh, this this article that I got from Salon um, is is a woman talking about how um, the how abstinence ruined her marriage, and she she talks about how when she was fourteen, you know, basically she went she went away and she she married God, and so. When when she got married, um, her and um, I guess she got married at the age of nineteen. Her and her um, boyfriend had had never had sex at that point. Yeah, he had apparently this, had sex. Oh, he, he oh, is it that is that true? Was. Okay, but, she um, had not. While they were together, they never engaged. Okay, so so they so uh, she at least waited till marriage, right? And so she gets to the point you know, that they have the wedding and they go all through this, and then that evening. She has no desire to have sex with this guy, right. and she she she's not feeling it. And of course, she's like, "Could could we just do it tomorrow?" And you know, and he's like, you know, well, "Basically, you the the result is that, that you know that you only get one wedding night, you know." So, yeah. so <laughs> they have sex, and um, she felt nothing, and she felt nothing, and 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 this apparently goes on for a while, where where she's having the the you know these sexual relations with this person, and there's and there's nothing there. It, it it isn't working, and he's not a good enough teacher. You know, they, they they're basically not responding well to each other, and there's an incompatibility thing. And one of the things that, that she points out is that sex is a huge part of of a marriage and that kind of a relationship. And by going into it not knowing that they were not sexually compatible, ruined their marriage yeah. because because she ends up divorced from him um, because they. She she never had the had those kinds of feelings for him that you know and and there's probably many reasons why why that happened but one of them is is because they weren't because they didn't have sex before marriage they didn't know that they weren't you know going to be compatible in that in that respect and I, and I think it's interesting and I get and and I don't want to say well I'll save that because the next so I I thought that was interesting that 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 was an interesting anecdote where where this for for this woman she really feels like that she was ill prepared for her marriage right. by because she also waiting. talked about how she's had good sex relationships since then so it right. wasn't just she has an issue it was the two of them just weren't compatible yeah okay and so but the, so the next one so I thought well I what what can I find on the subject so I found a woman. Whose article? Brian, are uh, you getting the word interference? I am getting some weird interference. Yeah, me too. Is that? Yeah. Where's that coming from? Is it me? Hold on. Wait a second. I don't know. It might be you, Terry. Can you hit mute? Yeah, it could be me. Basically, a good way to test is if you mute, mute, um, go to Skype and hit mute. Okay, let me see. 
it's it's gone now. I can't. Is that is it okay now? Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. Now, whatever that was, I'm not hearing it right now. Okay. So, um, where is it? So the me. next one that um is sexual purity. Yeah, se- sexual purity, and um this. Um, yeah, well, this one basically takes the um the argument that um Elizabeth Smart was given and gives kind of the counter to that. Well, it kind it kind of gives exactly what 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 she's saying, but the, there's some things about this. So I, I don't know. Let me let me I, I I highlighted some quotes um that she has. Um, we are wavering. We are waving the banner of tolerance over the nation, but one thing that's not tolerated is abstinence and sexual purity. Um, which, What's her which, evidence for that? Well, I, thought, she, I had the impression that this is, I don't, and she gave a TED talk, which kind of surprises me too. Um, something parents don't understand is that their teenagers are living in the age where virginity isn't tolerated. And those two statements floored me because where is this coming from? And, and that was, and my response was the same as yours. Where is your evidence for this coming from? Yeah. I don't think that she has any, quite frankly. I think that this is a feeling of hers and an opinion. And so she did some research to confirm it. And, and that's what I get from this article. Um, and her title of her, of her TED talk is The Walk of Fame versus The Walk of Shame. So nice. the, it starts out by slut shaming. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, uh, well, she has the one line virginity is medically, emotionally, and spiritually the best yes. choice, but physically it is also the best choice. Which, I mean, we just um, had someone come in and say, no, virginity wasn't the best cho- choice for her because it, um, emotionally, um, she, she didn't connect with her hu- right. husband before. Okay, but physically, but, she didn't connect with her husband before. You know, the quote before work. that, the quote before that says, some of the messages we are hearing about sex are myths that, promote the lie that those who are waiting to have sex until the right time are going to end up having bad sex. Here's the problem is I do not disagree with that line at all. You should always wait till the right time, but that right time does not necessarily mean marriage. But the truth is, Joey, your first time is going to be bad sex. (laughs) Well, Well, how are we defining sex though too? I mean, there's a spectrum of behaviors that I assume I don't know. That's a good question because because these absent only things, um, <laughs> the statistics that come out about them is that say that you know that that a lot of times these kids feel like that, that it's not sex if it's oral, oral or, or anal. anal. Yeah. yeah, as long as it's not vaginal, it's not sex. If it's not a but, you know hand job, the majority job, of the sex. people I know were not virgins when they got married. I, I I'm trying to think. I I know right off the bat. I know one. Um, girl I know who when she got married she was a virgin and I'm not sure if I know any others right. so what age are people getting married too is that making a difference in that rate aren't people aren't people getting married later statistically I believe so yeah I don't know but that line where she says virginity is medically emotionally yeah. and spiritually the best choice but it's also physically the best choice well m- medically would m- to me mean physically emotionally would mean psychologically and spiritually i don't know what people mean when they say spiritually it's a it's it's kind of a nebulous term so what does it mean and and how is it medically the the best choice and how is it necessarily emotionally the best choice those are value judgments and the medical thing does that change on your wedding night like are you medically (laughs) 
There's yeah, that, and the emotional thing it varies from people to people. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that can have one night stands and have no emotional attachment at all, and then have a real good, healthy sexual relationship that has a lot of emotional attachment and you know works. So everyone's wired a little differently in that regard. So the next quote in here that I liked: "The virginity movement is increasing, but it's still not." Still a good mi- minority. Yeah, but it's still a good minority. Is, I, I don't know how where she gets any statistics for that, and I don't know how you judge that. Um, well, I, I, it could be measured, but I don't know that it has been measured. I once again, I think that that is a value judgment, and it's hard to measure. I mean, yeah. uh, you, middle school kids, how many of them are going to be completely honest and saying you know how sexual active they you give them, even if you tell them this is a blind um, questionnaire. No, you know, no one's going to um, know what you put down. They're still not going to be completely honest, right? So you can't, you know, to try and get accurate statistics, you can get close, but yeah. So, uh, and then the next thing she says here, and let's assume this is true: ten percent of the total sexually active population is teenagers younger than eighteen. I don't know if it's true or not, but for a second here, let's assume it is. Who bear the consequences of twenty five percent of our sexually transmitted diseases. Um, if the girl is getting chlamydia, she can uh, be faced with a lifetime of infertility. Now, this one I, I think is interesting because it, if it is true, and it could be, um, this number could be reduced by by proper um, sex education. Sex education. Yeah. And, and if, that's been proven. Right, that's been proven. And so that you so want, I, you want to decrease sexually transmitted diseases, you teach the kids to um yeah, once more, I said earlier in the podcast, empower them, you teach them how to make the right choices, you give them everything out in the home, say these are condoms, this is what they do. You are honest about it. Right. And people over the age of 18 are going to have better access to this stuff because yeah. they're not going to have to go through their parents anymore. Right. And and we and, and we did see we see a decline um during uh the Clinton administration, when we were teaching, you know, a more um, rounded sexual sex education, the the incidence of of, of um, teen pregnancy went down, and I think, and I'm pretty sure that we did it. We had an article not too long ago that said that it was that it was rising as absent only education took over again. Yeah, we've covered that. Um, another statistic the author wants parents to take seriously is the risk of suicide is 12 to 24 percent higher amongst teenagers who are sexually active okay so if it's true i want to know why that's true not yeah, just is that, that a product of failing the abstinence only stuff well there we go i don't know but what's interesting i also there's a link on here to suicide and it must be that they have software that just links um links keywords to other articles because when because i thought well maybe maybe it's a source but it's not it's talking about rick warren um whose whose child killed himself but he was mentally ill i'm like thinking well that doesn't really prove their statistics right. so i think it must just be random uh or they have a piece of software that that it links keywords to other articles on their site. But uh, regardless, it wasn't a source. Here we go. This is kinky. What Gress strives to do is teach teenagers and college-age women to satisfy their cravings for love by having a relationship with God. Well, that's how Mary Magdalene did it. <laughs> yeah, and and she goes on there to just quote some other scripture. Um, the Bible says... Your desire will be for your husband. And so I, I looked this one up. 
I hope I still have it. Yeah, I this one, um, and I'm going to read from the NIV, my favorite fundamentalist Bible. Um, uh, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. It's a punishment. Yeah, it's a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that is that 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 is great. That in in to take so when you take that quote out of context like she did, it 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 says one thing, but when you read it straight from the text, the biblical text, it means something totally different. Yeah. Wow. Now later on in the article, they do have one thing that I believe. In a Penn State study of students who had sex for the first time while they were in college. They reported that the day after, the men felt better about themselves, but the women had a significant decline in body image. And once again, this goes back to our failing in <laughs> that in letting women know that it's okay to be sexual. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's the whole thing about, you know, the women being taught that if they um, lose their virginity before marriage, they're dirty. Right. And, it, you know, that that's what's happening there. It's not necessarily a problem with sex. It's a problem with how they were brought up learning about sex well in many of these things that she's pointing out i I think that we can point back to it the way that she's using that stuff and not citing source and there's no sources cited in here and And then she straight out says in the next thing if you're having sex outside a committed relationship your heart is going to be hurt especially if you're a female right well and i mean both me and you you know, before we married our wives, we had a healthy sexual relationship with them. Well, I remember and, I got married for insurance purposes. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Although we were engaged at the time, but we rushed it to, for insurance. But, um, you know, we were not in a committed relationship when we started being sexual. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, my wife and I have been in a committed relationship for 14 years, but we didn't get married until uh, our second child. And once again, we I did that so I could put her on my insurance. I love telling people that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I uh, this is totally anecdotal, but I dated a Catholic kid one time for about a day, and he uh, he honestly had been taught that women don't enjoy sex, and all sex is rape, and women don't have orgasm. So I mean, if, I know if this is what these kids are going into, you know, yeah. My wife was raised fairly strongly religious, and it was interesting when we um, first started going out how little she knew about sex in her body. Uh, In her own body. What a travesty. That's terrible. Yeah. And actually, I'll bring this up more in our next podcast because there actually is um, a relevant topic there. My my wife has a friend whose mother said to her, honey, you're not going to wait for marriage to have sex, are you? And so she asked that of my my daughter tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, have we covered this adequately yeah well we have I think so yeah yeah we, we we basically have two podcasts tonight i think we, we may break them up into into two sections here we've been going for almost two hours so clearly wow. we had a lot to say yeah. i'm not surprised it's a pretty intense topic well in our first topic our first discussion of course you know i mean i don't know it started to drag but I, I hate to cut it because that's what the conversation was. Yep. So, all right. Well, it's probably time to say goodnight. Well, thank you guys again oh, so well, much. Yeah, you could join us. Absolutely. I, I, I love the fact that I have a stalker. Yep. <laughs> I'm a benign stalker, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, very passive. So. All right. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. 
For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 